This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are so glad to have you here. It's Brandon and Joe, as always. We're here with the MVSP. Brandon, how are you doing? Enjoying your first few weeks or first few days of summer. Um, just how's it rolling? Dude, it's been it's been pretty weird. Like just kinda it seems like nothing has changed with the coronavirus, but yet we still have summer. It's nice to not have to worry about classes for now. I mean, I do have a summer class this summer, but I don't have the the major workload like a lot of us had with all taking all of our credits online over the spring semester. But you know, it's it's doing well right now. How about you, Joe? It's not too bad. I'm vibing. Big chilling all the time, just doing a bunch of stuff. But nice. Brandon, why don't you get us started today? Yeah, so before we start, I do want to let you guys know that some of you have probably seen our live show that we premiered on Monday reacting to The Last Dance. And thank you all of you guys for tuning in for that. That is going to that was an absolutely great first time. We will also be on tomorrow, Thursday, the 21st at 7 p.m. We will be going over episodes three and four. And some of you the guys, bad boys yes, the bad boys. It'll be a very good episode that you will want to stick, stay tuned for. But a lot of people have been wondering, are we still going to be making podcasts during this time? Well, the answer is yes, we are. We are still going to be making the regular episodes. Now, they will not be the full hour like normal. They will probably be shorter due to kind of time constraints as we have some other things to focus on more for the show rather than just our one weekly podcast. So we will have a weekly podcast like we still do. It'll probably be more towards 40 to 45 minutes. It'll be a little shorter. But there will also be the audio of our live shows. If you missed them on Twitch, until they get up onto YouTube, you can listen to them on our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor platforms. So there is three episodes a week, Joe. Three. We are doing good, brother. We're doing good. It's very exciting. But like we said, the last dance coming up, it was last weekend that the last dance ended up kind of wrapping up episodes nine and tens. I had so much fun watching it. It was a great, great documentary. There were so many cool insights, different experiences that we could see uh, with the Chicago Bulls and their amazing dynasty that they had going on in the 90s. But with episode 9 and 10 closing out the series, Brandon, what did you think of it? Dude, it was great. The last two episodes were, I mean, go- going into 9, it was really, we really got hit with a cliffhanger, you could call it, at the end of episode 8 with Reggie Miller saying the words, I was looking forward to Jordan, and we were all like, whoa, what is, what's this guy saying? But the, the one thing I definitely took out of it was I personally didn't know how good Reggie Miller was until I watched this and started watching him and his highlights more. And the dude could, he could ball. Like he, def- he I definitely overlooked him. I knew he was a really good analyst and stuff, but I really didn't know truly how great of a player he was. And a lot of people probably didn't see that because of the era he was in was unfortunate because he's overshadowed by a lot of those really good upcoming guys like Kobe and Mike as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, they, the Pacers gave those guys a run for their money and it was kind of cool to see MJ finally get his revenge on Larry Bird. I mean, not, not necessarily as a player for Bird as he was the coach of the Pacers during that season, but hey, payback is payback. 
I mean, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, I think there was, was there a 30 for 30? There was a documentary on Reggie Miller and his life kind of growing up and stuff. And it was crazy to see, you know, how many good players there were in that generation and how kind of, yeah, for sure. he was one of the top tier guys, but he was, like you said, he was kind of in the shadow of those upcoming big players and the ones that were already on the main stage. And it was just kind of really cool to see, um, not, well, not really his point of view, but kind of like his perspective uh, playing MJ and just kind of like the rivalry that they had. But I mean, I'm just really sad it's over, but well, I kind of really was interested. I was reading an article and there was kind of reactions and comments on that article. And they were saying how maybe the, they could have been wrapped up in maybe six episodes. It could have gone longer, could have been shorter. And there was just kind of a lot of repetitiveness, but Brandon, did you kind of feel that the last dance kind of encompassed a lot of the, a lot of the, dynasty and stuff like that into a really good documentary do you think there could have been changes that could have been made it better honestly like i really enjoyed all the details that they put into all these episodes because obviously a lot of these these people that probably may said that there could have been less episodes and they could have fit more in and i think that is definitely true because i mean there was some there were some times where like the gambling thing they really spent a lot of time on that which they're really you could have made that a little bit shorter. That's understandable. But uh, what they went into every aspect of the situation in the moment or the series or the time period or the coach or whatever it was, they always went into full detail and just really explained it from all sorts of different um, just perspectives. And I feel like I really like that it was 10 episodes. I really think that everything was spaced out. It was created nice. I actually really kind of enjoyed the the unique aspect where they would he they kind of started at the beginning of the last dance and then would momentarily start then at the beginning of Michael and they kind of progressed those at the same time. I thought that was really unique and then they introduced all the players as well at kind of the same the same pattern. But I personally thought it was really well put together and ten episodes. It was a little bit long, but I think that every episode was pretty much in the position where it was the best it could be for 10 episodes. I think so too. I really liked how spaced out it was and kind of uh, the tempo that it went at. It wasn't too fast. You really pick up on information. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the only thing that I kind of had a, I guess you could say a beef with, I'm kind of doing air quotations while I say that word, um, is that mainly just the way that it was structured. Like you said, it kind of jumped back and forth. It started and it was kind of a little bit tough to follow with having a week in between episodes. And I mean, if you binge watch it from start to finish, you could easily follow through. I mean, but I think with that week break, it was kind of a little bit tough to follow. I mean, in the first couple of minutes when they were kind of not reviewing the last episode, but they were just kind of catching up to where they left off and you were able to kind of figure it out. But there was maybe some key parts that you missed. And that was kind of one of my main I guess issues you could say with it was just kind of the way that they structured it. And the end, I kind of, I really liked it. I kind of came around and uh, it grew on me and I really liked the way it was structured. But I think that's one of the main reasons. And also just one other thing that I kind of was a little bit, not disappointed, but just kind of confused about was I'm not even confused. I just don't really know the right word to use right now, but it just kind of, sometimes they're really repetitive with stuff. I mean, I really like uh, how they kind of talked about the relationship with Jerry Krause, but kind of sometimes they went a little bit too overboard with that, especially with just kind of talking about how Jordan was a little bit like his uh, personality on the court and off the court and training and stuff like that. But there's some parts that I saw were a little bit repetitive, but overall 
I think it was a master class. I really liked the documentary. Yeah, and obviously a lot of people have their own opinions on it. They have their little critiques because everybody likes different films and everybody likes different like structures of these documentaries, which is perfectly fine. Like some people would rather like that chronological start to end and that that's just the way it is. But some people kind of like to jump back and forth. It kind of what I really thought was unique is like when they when I believe it was in episode six, when they are starting to or oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, I believe it was. Um, excuse me. Um, it was actually nine. The one we were talking about how that they kind of went. And we really didn't dis- they didn't really discuss Steve Kerr really until the ninth episode. And by by that time, it was kind of we really didn't know that much about him until he started getting brought up with, with Michael. And then that's when they started. That's when they pulled him into the story with the story of his father, which is extremely sad. And all in that's his family situation and him growing up it's where I thought that was a great idea. Kind of don't don't plug in something that's not needed yet. So, like, if they would have put that into episode two where we really didn't know Steve Kerr, they just kind of jumped to him and introduced him, that would have been kind of confusing. So I feel like the way that they did that with their structure, I think, was probably the best way they could have done it. It was really good. But I, I would agree with you that some of the things they did kind of over, they kind of over-talked about a little bit, overcompensated for it, where they talked about Jerry Krause a lot, which, I mean, it's not like we're not disrespecting him in, like, the full – like just absolute rant but it's kind of the more we talk about some of the bad things that like you the supposed bad things he did like cutting off the dynasty too early and everything and when you keep bringing that stuff up people are going to be more and more hateful towards him even though really it could have been one like if it was one mistake and you brought it up four times it's going to seem like four times as big of a mistake if that makes sense so i can agree with you on that part yeah you you kind of captured perfectly that analogy and like when you go back to Steve Kerr, I feel like they really did an awesome job of placing that episode because, I mean, we're familiar with Steve Kerr. I mean, the amount of success that he has had as a coach and, I mean, the familiarity we have, we were, we knew he was on the Bulls and we were kind of waiting for that because we knew he was clutch. He hit the game winner, I think it was. I forgot what uh, conference final or what conference final was in for them, but he hit the game winner and we knew he was an important player like he was – I mean, he was a pawn in this in this chess game, but he was still a very important key piece. And I think it was really cool to see that um, it took a while for us to get that episode. But when we saw it, it was really satisfying and it was just a pretty a very well-placed episode. Yeah, and I think a lot of people knew Steve Kerr as the coach and they didn't really know him as much of a player. And the fact that the just the absolute glory of this is Steve Kerr really like reminiscing where he first came to the Bulls. He wanted to be like John Paxson. He wanted to be that role player that fit in with Michael and Scotty really well. And then Paxson ended up hitting a game winner in a big playoff game, as did Kerr did a couple years down the road, which is kind of that cool Cinderella story a little bit. But I mean, Steve Kerr is almost a testament to the really, you could say, the image of these this Bulls team from the outside or I should say more from the inside than the outside. From the outside, these are all great basketball players, but from the inside, these guys are all guys that weren't really, really looked at. I mean, in college, we talked about Scottie Pippen being a walk-on for a school after being a team manager. And was literally scouted on the streets playing basketball and walked onto a small college. And Steve Kerr was only really offered a very late offer from Arizona to go play there. 
and he was ended up pretty much being uh, not necessarily like he's not a lot. He wasn't end up being a lottery pick or anything like that. He was just kind of a, a role player that was selected later. And all these guys weren't like these big, big, big time draft picks. Like a lot of people say we need now. They're the perfect fit to put in there. And just going off of Steve Kerr's backstory, this this guy who is an absolute tough guy. I mean, losing your father to such a tragic, just an absolute tragic event when he was overseas, just doing what he wanted to do. And it ended up turning out the way it did. And I mean, you could tell when we they were interviewing Steve Kerr that this was a really tough subject for him. And he really, really appreciated and loved his father so much. And it just kind of showed that through all of those trials and tribulations that he was still, he was still, putting his life in the best place that he could and just the fact how his life ended up is just a really it's a really heartwarming story to see him go from rock bottom during that time in Arizona and now he's one of the most respected coaches with four rings as a player and two as at least two or three as a coach yeah I mean he's he knows basketball he's he's a guy who just fits in really well knows how to put pieces together and he just you can you can only have disrespect for the guy. He's just a he's a bulldog out on the court. Like he's just a guy who doesn't give up. He's he's a guy who just plays his heart out. And I mean, like you said, with all these kind of role players and stuff, and they weren't super highly recruited. I mean, when you look at Michael Jordan, yeah, he was a pretty highly recruited athlete, but he still had a lot of doubters coming into the league. He wasn't this huge guy in the era where you needed a big athletic guy to win you championships. I mean, he was, what, 6'2 or 6'3 coming out of college um, into the draft. And when he came in, like, he's, uh, his teammates had a little bit of doubts. I mean, the league had doubts, but when he came in, he showed everyone that he meant business. And when he got those pieces around him to help start building and, and winning – it was just really cool to see how not the, how the documentary kind of put how just the evolving and you could see the foundation being built for this Bulls dynasty with players coming in, different players gelling really well together and just kind of building up uh, that amazing dynasty that the Bulls had. Yeah, absolutely. And you have, I mean, as much as you might want to hate the guy after this documentary, that is what Jerry did really well is he put the pieces together to help them win championships. But the, some of the bad pieces that we saw out of this film was, in fact, the flu game. And I say flu game in quotation marks because everyone remembers it as the flu game. But Michael finally revealed to us in episode nine that it was not the flu that had him under the weather for that playoff game against the Jazz in the 97 season. And it was, in fact, food poisoning from getting a pizza delivered to him in his hotel room the night before, which I never knew. And just the fact that that whole story was the way it is just makes it seem so crazy that we thought for all these years, it was the flu, how the media influenced us that it was the flu. And in fact, it was just some bad pizza. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to see because there was, I think there was a clip or something where he did a YouTube video with like, who is, or which team is the best player in the world. And like, he was going through all of his rings and stuff like that. And he even said uh, this ring, even with the flu. So, I mean, that kind of builds on our thoughts of it being, uh, you know, influenza and all that. But, I mean, to see that it was just pizza and he got food poisoning from it, I mean, it's funny, but you can only wonder what was on that pizza that he, uh, you know, might have had a bad reaction to. Yeah, and the fact that it was the only pizza place in Utah at that time was kind of just – 
one of those moments where you're like, yeah, this this could go wrong. And there's five guys at the door that kind of just showed that um, it was um, you would say that these guys really, really tried their hardest, I guess, to make that pizza good. But I guess it didn't work out. And I, I saw a lot of people that were making like the five guys jokes and how they should stick with burgers now because of that reference. But <laughs> I, I thought that was funny. But now, uh, Joe, moving into episode 10, the wrap up, the finale, tie the loose ends, finish this thing off the right way. I think they did a great job. And one of the biggest things I think a lot of people are talking about for sure now is Jordan's unsatisfaction and the quest he wanted for seven that was prevented. Yeah, I mean, going on, I mean, trying to get that last championship with the Bulls and then moving to the Wizards. I mean, we were we were alive when he was on the Wizards, but we didn't really remember anything. And just to kind of see from his hunger for it, but him not being able to get that get to that point. I mean, just crazy. I mean, you see pictures too. I mean, after the dynasty and when all these players go their separate ways, when uh, Pippen, <clears throat> excuse me, when Pippen went to, to Portland and uh, they played the Wizards and they were both being guarded by one another, it's just crazy to see that. I mean, they had such a good relationship and they built that dynasty, but then it's crazy how you just saw it was all over when you saw that picture. Yeah, and that's just kind of one of those those moments where you kind of just kind of sit there and you just got to take it in because we're not, we are not used to seeing those, those two guys in separate uniforms across from each other. That is definitely a really cool point. And I mean, I mean, one of the big funny things that was brought up about was Dennis Rodman. He's that he ended up skipping a practice during the finals to go <laughs> to our home state of Michigan for a pro wrestling event, but with who else, but Hulk Hogan, yeah, that was fun, and I think this was kind of the best part of the that whole um, that little bit. The episode was that trying to figure out how to sneak him out of the building when not getting harassed by media, and they had to go out a duck out a back door and run up the stairs, and all the media people are following him until he jumps in a pickup truck and drives away. That just that whole fact, it just screams Dennis Rodman's personality one hundred percent. Yeah, it's just funny. I mean. Uh, for that to happen and to skip a practice during that time of the season, it's just funny to see um, truly what his personality was. I mean, he's just a crazy guy. He he walked to the beat of his own drum. He just didn't really care what people thought. But, I mean, just to see he was a player for the people. He wanted to make a statement all the time. And, I mean, it's just really funny and cool to see. Yeah, for sure. And I I didn't know this when I when I know they won the championship. But just kind of the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio was in the locker room after Bull or Jordan made the shot to win the title in 98, I never really knew that whole thing. And I think it's kind of ironic. And a lot of people had the meme of um, DiCaprio from his famous movie where he's pointing at the screen. He's like, oh, hey, that's me. But I never knew that that actually transpired. So it's like these documentaries are really good at finding these really kind of quirky things we don't know about and they just show us to show them to us and we're just kind of like huh that's really interesting yeah and just cool little points and uh events that went on that we had no idea happening and just kind of stuff that i mean that we weren't alive for and just to see all this history that we've heard so much about and that we just barely missed out on i mean it's just really cool to see all the ins and outs yeah for sure and i think um there was um one thing that I wanted to bring up that was I thought was really interesting that some articles and stuff 
on how kind of Jordan after winning the championship and then them going on the bus and like going away where Carl Malone actually stopped, like stopped the bus and walked on to congratulate everybody that won that championship for the Bulls team, especially MJ in the back of the bus. I just thought that was really interesting to think about from five or I'm sorry, seven years earlier when they were, I'm sorry, no, um, eight years earlier when the Michael finally beat the bad boys and Isaiah Thomas ended up leading the guys off the floor without, or I'm sorry, Bill Lambeer leading Isaiah Thomas and the rest of the Pistons off the floor without shaking hands where, and Jordan the year before when the bad boys eliminated them had that sportsmanship. And it just kind of really just shows how, what, what go, what can come your way can go your way as well. What you give, you can get in return. It's kind of that cool little thing where you kind of put the pieces together where it's kind of like how Carl Malone is up. A lot of people really over or under, I guess you can underappreciate overlook that kind of whole thing with Carl Malone is he was one of the best yeah. players of all time, but a lot of people don't know him because he was kind of more of that guy that, was really a fundamentally solid, very good basketball player where he wasn't like he wasn't like a lot of the guys we have in today's game, like the guys that can shoot from 35 feet like Trey Young and Steph Curry, James Harden. Those guys are the flashy guys that make the crazy athleticism dunks like Westbrook and other guys as well, where he was kind of more of that guy that's one of those fundamentally sound guys, but really just wasn't that flashy, flashy guy. And I mean, they, he also had his buddy John Stockton, who was kind of the same way, where he wasn't the flashy point guard like a lot of a lot of us see now in this day and age. Where the, this this Jazz team that they had to play was an extremely good basketball team, and the Bulls just taking them down was a testament himself. And the fact they had to do it twice in the finals just shows how good of the team they were to get back two years in a row like the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, just the amount of talent that that generation had and just to see the Bulls not just steam, not steamroll them, but just to get through it and, you know, win it pretty handily is just crazy. But, I mean, we're sad that the last dance is over, but ESPN has announced that they're going to try to – or they're not trying, but they are going to bring a slew of more 30 for 30 films coming up this Sunday with a t- our, the episode that's titled Lance. It's about Lance Armstrong. I'm really excited, but there's a couple more, Brandon – um, how excited are you? Dude, I'm really excited. And uh, Lance was actually one I didn't know was coming out until just a while or just a little while ago when they announced it that that is going to be a two-parter, which I thought was very interesting. So there must be a lot of things that I don't know about Lance Armstrong for this to be a two-part series. That That's going to start this weekend and the following weekend will be parts one and two. And then the following weekend, I believe it is June 7th, we have a very interesting one that I'm really curious to watch, and that is the big time Bruce Lee documentary called I am Be so Water. Excited for that one. That one is going to be very interesting. I'm really excited to watch it because I really don't know that much about Bruce Lee. Obviously, I know he's an absolute great when it comes to martial arts, and get me don't get me wrong, he's a really cool person, but. I mean, I don't know very much about him, and that's what's making me really stoked for this one. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this uh, article that ESPN has with kind of the upcoming roster of all these 30 for 30 films, you see very um, accomplished 
uh, directors that are going to be directing this. You know, it's just going to be a, a, a great some great episodes, some great film work that we're going to be watching on ESPN. I mean, Lance is directed by Marina Zenovich, and she did, I mean, films like Robin Williams come inside my mind, That uh, the documentary about Robin Williams and just mm-hmm. his journey and what he had to do in his career. And, I mean, Bao Nguyen, Bao Nguyen with Be Water. I mean, I'm just super excited for all these uh, for all these documentaries that are going to be coming out to kind of fill the gap until sports are back, and I'm just really, really excited. Yeah, for sure. And I would say the one that I'm probably the most excited about is the one that's going to be following up there on June 14th, which is going to be Long Gone Summer. That's going to be an exciting one. That one is about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in the home run battle. That's going to be a super cool one I'm super excited about because I think those that kind of whole series of events is the one thing that I truly like know a lot about outside of like the three or in the three all those three films that's probably the one that i know most about and i'm really intrigued to see how they put this thing together and it's just going to be crazy the amount of respect respect those two had for each other during this whole thing they didn't really know each other until uh mark mcguire in the trailer said i didn't know the dude until june when we both had 21 home runs or whatever it was that's just going to be a pretty sweet one that i'm really looking forward to but Joe, I know you're begging. I know, I know you're just itching for it. So I'm gonna give you the chance right now. You may tell your joke of the day. It's everybody's. It's not joke. It's fact, Brandon. Get it no, right. It, no, it's a joke. I was just trying to throw some shade there. Well, anyways, besides the fact, it's I'm everyone's. Kidding. It's everyone's favorite part of the day. It's Joe's fact of the day, Brandon. I'm gonna hit you with a little bit of something. Cy Young is the. Holds a record of a total of 511 career wins. Clayton Kershaw is one of the best current pitchers in the MLB. How long, or is it, he's a three-time Cy Young pitcher, and how long at his current pace for Clayton Kershaw will he have to break Cy Young's career record wins? Oh, my goodness. As far as years? Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's going to be, I honestly think this. it's going to be a pretty ridiculous number. I'm going to probably say... Um, dang, man. Um, I would have to say it's going to be more than 15 for sure. I might, I'm going to say 18. It might be more. I don't know. I'm going to say 18. You, That's my guess. You vastly undershot that. At really? Cy, at Clayton Kershaw's current pace, he'd have to stay in the league for the next 41 years or until what? he was 68 no. years old. What? Are you serious? It's ridiculous. No way. That's crazy, dude. That is insane. For the next 41 years. 41? To keep his his pace. Oh, my. The pace that he's at. Oh, my goodness. I guess I just thought Kershaw had a lot more wins than he actually does. That is crazy. I know. Well, I mean, he's only only 27, and to play till he's 68 would be ridiculous. Wow. That'd be. And it's just crazy. That'd that's the crazy, crazy part. Just see how good Cy Young was, dude. That's a that's absurd. The amount of wins that Cy Young has, he definitely deserves a lot of credit with his 500 plus wins. But Joe, now we will move into a little bit more of the recent news. We got some news today from the NCAA for about just a little bit over an hour or two ago that 
the NCAA reportedly has voted and has passed a, I guess it's not a bill. It's kind of a request that they are going to have D1 football, basketball, all the fall spring team sport athletes can now meet in person on campus are beginning June 1st through June 30th. So that is going to be very interesting. Obviously the schools and the conferences themselves within that division have to abide or um, make the decision themselves. They can't, they can say no if they want to, but the NCAA is giving them the gratitude if they may do so. But Joe, I think this is a pretty bold move for the NCAA. I mean, it's bold, but it's a good sign for a lot of sports fans yeah, to that see that true. they're kind of moving. They're moving towards trying to get back to where they were. And, Brandon, I mean, you're a student athlete. You're on the cross-country team and track and field team at Ferris. But have you heard anything from Ferris Athletics to see if you guys have been able to – or if you'll be able to go back on campus anytime soon? I have not heard anything regarding that, Joe. And a lot of us – are a lot of myself and my teammates are really, really – waiting to see what's going on. And there's actually a little bit of, um, you could say a little shocking news that came over this week that's kind of turned some heads a little bit when Central Michigan actually had to um, pretty much eliminate their outdoor and indoor track programs for the time being to get some funding for the school, which is a pretty bold move. I mean, anybody that cuts a sport, is definitely in need for some money, and they definitely need it now, and J.G. Wentworth will not help them. But it's definitely a really head-turning thing there <laughs> with <laughs> – I'm sorry, I had to make that joke. But <laughs> the... <laughs> All right, there's Brandon. It was, it was such like an out-of-the-blue joke, and it was like kind of stupid, but that makes it that much more funny yeah you have your you have your um you have your fact of the day i have my joke every once in a while every once in a brand every once in a every once in a blue moon brandon you come out with a good joke yes i appreciate i'll take my applause now but as i was saying that there's a lot of speculation with this move and that uh, there's going to be sports in the fall which i think all of us are really happy to see at least a move in the right direction. I mean, obviously, it's not set in stone. They we're not definitely going back, and everything's going to be back to normal. But there is going to be a little bit of – I think there's a little bit of interest in this as far as kind of a business standpoint for the NCAA because a lot of people aren't, haven't realized that NCAA could really struggle this, this next year if they don't have sports, especially with no fans in attendance, to help them financially succeed with all of these sports events and all these programs being able to travel and do all these sorts of things. Well, I mean, look at football season. That's probably one of the main money makers for a lot of campuses and a lot of schools. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Michigan, almost every time they have close to 90,000, 100,000 people in the big house. For sure. And each, tickets aren't cheap. I mean, we. I'm, I bet you've been to a couple of games, Brian. I've been to a couple of games, mm-hmm. and the cheapest ticket I've ever seen when I'm going is like 20, 30 bucks. Yeah, I mean, if that's, for, if that's for the no, if that's for the nosebleed seats, I mean, you see everywhere packed, and the good seats are a lot of money, and that goes for almost every football stadium, almost every basketball stadium as well. I mean, when you really look at it, you don't really know how they're gonna really get this money back if they're if sports go on without fans, if they go on with you know certain fans, if they go on with just like 
what the what March Madness was gonna be like, where it's just gonna be a certain few, or if they're gonna like kind of enforce social distancing and you can only go however so close on seats and stuff. But I mean, I'm kind of really wondering how these schools are gonna come back if there's restrictions on what they're gonna do with fans and stuff like that, how they're gonna come back and be able to uh make money from this. Yeah, and that's it's gonna be really interesting. I mean, obviously there's a group of schools in California that have already canceled all the athletic seasons for the fall as California is taking a big toll on in their state with the coronavirus, as well as New York has had a rough time as that they're a very big tourist city and state. But I mean, the fact of it is, is there's a lot of different variables that go on. Obviously there's a financial, um, there's the financial angle that a lot of people are looking at. There's the medical and the health angle of all of the players and the coaches and the fans and the executives that are putting all these things on as well. And then you got a lot of these things with education as well, how they are going to get educated because that's really a lot of schools. That's their number one is because everyone's a student athlete and student comes first, which is completely respectable. But there's it's a lot of interesting moves. And even on the professional level, kind of going into the NBA where a lot of people are trying to speculate on what's going on here because they they're like literally to the point where they they're going to come back and be right in the postseason if they come back this year yeah I mean when you look at it if the farther this virus keeps going and if NBA wants to continue their season this year especially with NHL too I mean they stopped right in the middle of the season as well they're going to be playing well into what their off season would be yeah I mean June is right around the corner, and I mean, early June is when the NBA Finals is. They don't even play in June for NHL, and, you know, baseball, they're going to have to really squeeze in a lot of games unless they want to move down south to play their games in November, December, and, you know, when it looks at, when you look at it, it's just going to be, if, they, if we want to have sports in 2020, it's going to be a lot of maneuvering, a lot of, a lot of uh, situating for where these teams are going to play, because if we have all these sports back, it's going to be great for viewers and great for people that are going to be at home watching all these games, having so many choices, but it's going to be an absolute, just an absolute mess of carnival for people that have to work out all this scheduling, all this possibilities for what they're going to be able to do. And, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just going to be, it's going to be great for us if they come back and we can watch, but it's going to be ridiculous for those people that have to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting because there's a lot, obviously, like I said, there's a lot of different aspects that you have to be aware of as far as just financial and health are the two biggest ones alone. But then, like, there's a lot of other leagues that are re- they're already ready to take that step. The English Premier League across the pond has already cleared themselves to resume their season on June 1st. A lot of teams have already been given the green light to get back to practice and stuff. But obviously, there is social distancing um, measures in place at these these kind of you could call them training camps you can call them practices whatever you want to call them just all these these little mini camp practices where they're trying to get back into shape and get back as a team and obviously um the Bundesliga had a game as well they've already had a couple of games where there's been a lot of pictures and people are just like we're glad it's back but it's just it's just not the same without the fans and I think the players can really attest to that yeah I mean we've played I mean there's times where I'm at games where there's not a lot of people and there's players who, you know, aren't playing as well. I mean, I've been to a couple Red Wings games where there's only like about a fourth of the whole stadium filled up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's crazy because you can definitely tell that when fans aren't there to cheer on your team, it's just a whole different atmosphere, a whole different mindset that you have. 
You don't have that third party that's uh, that has the ability to get you back in it, back in the game, and back uh, to be able to make those big plays. But, I mean, it's just crazy because there's good steps coming towards where you're seeing all these soccer, these leagues in England already coming back and getting back in a full – hopefully back in a full swing soon. But, I mean, it's only going to – we're just going to have to see how long it's going to take for us to get back. But, I mean – like we said with the NCAA, it's going to be tough for them. But there was also a uh, article on Sports Illustrated, Brandon, that you showed me, and then I looked into a little bit that they're thinking about maybe playing with masks on. How about you talk about a little bit more about that? Yeah, and um, this idea that I started looking into really came from the NFL studying now a way that they are actually looking into putting some sort of face guard in that works almost – surgical mask inside of their helmet face mask it is going to be really interesting to see how this goes and i haven't heard that much about the ncaa possibly playing with masks but i mean it's certainly a possibility that maybe that could be the way to go i know personally that like i've had to wear i've wore a mask running and during this kind of time, sometimes where I'm in a really heavily populated area on some sidewalks in my in the main part of my hometown where there's a lot of people at one time. So I had to put on a mask one time. And I can tell you right now that is a really hard thing to do is compete at a high level, like being whether it's running or doing whatever you're doing as far as physical movement, breathing Oh, with a mask on makes things extremely difficult and it's really hard to get proper airflow. I mean, obviously it's going to be a little bit easier if masks were to happen. I guess you could almost say in the the indoor sports, I mean, out both of them would definitely take a toll, but indoor would be a little bit I feel like it might be a little bit easier just because they don't have more used to being indoors where there is less airflow and oxygen inside. But I mean, but either way, if we're talking about like these sports having to wear masks in competition, I think it's going to get really. And you're going to probably see less up to standard play or times or scores that you're normally seeing. And you're going to probably be seeing a little bit less quality of play during that time. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, when you look at it, you don't want to you really don't want to look at sports or watch sports that people aren't, I mean, they might be giving it their hundred percent at the time, but the quality of play, like you said, might go down and stuff like that. But I mean, there's so many different possibilities that we could go through to get sports back. But I don't, I mean, I don't really want people to jump to conclusions too quick. I want to find the right uh, solution to get these back. Not only for, I mean, us to enjoy sports again, but also for, I mean, the athletes uh, to be safe and stuff like that. I mean, it's just crazy to see all the, the possibilities that people have already come up with, but just maybe it's not the most safest opportunity and maybe it's not the most uh, smart one at the time and there could be different things going on. But, I mean, there are just so many possibilities of what can happen that I'm not sure when we'll be able to find one that's going to work best for uh, the sports world. Yeah, and obviously we we want what's best for all of the athletes and the coaches as Mark. Wise, we don't want anybody else to get this virus. Obviously, that is the number one. Health is number one in this situation. But, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. Just the fact that we're talking about 
uh, NFL helmet's going to have a complete face mask. It's just kind of one of those where it's like, yeah, I remember when I was alive, when we were starting to talk about this sort of stuff, when this thing is all said and done at some point when it, when we will figure out how to combat this thing. But it, it's just going to be really interesting. I think the one thing that a lot of people are really discussing is all these different angles that you can approach these problems or you could call problems or conflicts from when it comes to trying to get everybody out on the field or on the track or on the court all in or all in the best way possible, especially with um, being safe from this virus. And even just to make sure that everybody is doing okay, almost psychologically too, because I know there's been there, it's going to be a little bit um, difficult when it comes back to playing because you're not used to that normal where you're going from summer back to fall because it's going to be it's not if we ever get back and, and it fits a lot later than normal a lot of especially football teams are going to be starting to almost scramble a lot more to get all of their stuff done they're going to have less time to get together and work on playbooks obviously they like they don't have spring ball where they can really start to develop things going into the summer and then into the fall where they pretty much got everything pen to paper and stone they want to do but a lot of these, like there might be a situation where they, they're going to be allowed to go back in June. Or, and even if there's an outside chance, I'm not saying it's going to happen. And I'm knocking on wood that it doesn't. But in the case where we might w- wake up tomorrow and there's a spike, then they're going to even put push back more. And that's going to end up leading us to the point where they might be coming back to play football on September on, come back until August. And that's only going to be one month to not only get in shape, but have everything ready to go back to competition. And that really goes to any sport, whether it's individual or team, when you're only coming from when when you're only going from one month of your, your regular activity during like the month of, or the month of summer and August to the point where you're going to be going from a much different, uh, a much different pattern, a much different routine that you're living right now to something completely different in a month and then you're going to be competing that's a lot different than what a lot of a lot of us are used to where these teams have a lot of time to really slowly transition where this case we could be rapid fire transitioning and it could be a problem i mean yeah i mean it looks bleak right now for a lot of different things there's a lot of outside sources that can happen like you said with a possible spike that might happen i mean we're not sure if it will i mean Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of different uh, possibilities and components that have to go in with that. But, I mean, for me, I really think the end is in sight. We can be happy. I mean, sports have a possibility coming back. I'm excited for that. And, I mean, it's on the horizon, Brandon. I feel like the end is on the horizon. It's close. Yeah. We can have sports back pretty soon. But, I mean, I think, Brandon, we should call it – or we can call it there. It's been a good episode. Don't forget, everyone, to oh, tune in to uh, – <laughs> don't forget everyone to tune in tomorrow at seven o'clock it's going to be the mvsp x mics and takes we're going to be going over episode three and four of uh of the last dance documentary we had a lot of fun with monday's episode i'm just kind of getting oh, yeah. back with the guys having good discussion uh, we're going to try some different things this episode as well so if you haven't checked out episode one get caught up with that figure out what we're going to try to do and all that stuff um thank you guys so much for tuning in today We'll be trying to get to you guys next week as well. With a little, remember, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. But Brandon, uh, hopefully, you can uh, have a good, good rest of your week, and we'll see you on Thursday.
Yeah, will do, buddy. Everybody, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time.